0: you need to redefine your metric of success of short-term success if you're trying to change something about your life trying to do something new build a new habit get better at something i want you to remember that you're not perfect we don't realize it but often the path we set out for backed by motivation or necessity is one we pave as perfection We think that the only way forward is to be better every single day and never make the same mistakes we used to, never have a day where we get nothing done, never fall back into those old habits. But we know in our head that's not possible, that's not realistic. We know it's not going to happen. So why do we get so disappointed and distraught when we do the inevitable? Stop thinking. Every setback is the end of your progress. It's literally going to end up being part of the reason you got to that milestone. So stop. Just because you think something is a total disaster doesn't mean it is. It could be what you actually needed to wake up and get moving, get hustling, get you to a place where you finally forgive yourself for not doing, quote, everything you set out to. Chances are, if you're anything like me, you'd be miserable if you actually did everything you set out to, the way you thought you would. So let's chill. Let's step back for a second. Let's see what the opportunities are in front of us. With every difficulty comes an opportunity, because as the offense closes in, the goal opens up. Welcome back to Crazy Enough, or if you're new here, welcome to the family. I'm your host, Joey, and this is a show dedicated to sharing the stories, experiences, and perspectives of people doing really cool things. My guest today goes by the name of Katie Peslis. Welcome to the show, Katie.
1: Hi. Thanks for having me, Joey. It's an honor to be here, man.
0: I see you're coming to us from uh, the Disney castle.
1: (laughs) Oh, 100%. You know, I do a lot of Zooms and most of the Zooms I do are actually with children's hospitals for the Ryan Seacrest Foundation. So this is my go-to background because kids think it's hilarious. So when I open Zoom, it's automatic. So I'm not sad about it. I'll take any meeting (laughs) looking like I'm in front of Cinderella's castle.
0: I think it's great. (laughs) All right. So Katie, let's start off just with a simple introduction. If you met somebody in a coffee shop and they asked you the question, what do you do? How would you answer that?
1: Yeah, I am a session singer, background vocalist, uh, impressionist, and I live in Nashville, Tennessee. Lived here for five years and have been doing, have been singing professionally for about the last eight years, nine years. Uh, but yeah, I get to do a lot of video game work uh, where I'm singing either in the chorus or a voice in a video game. Just depends on what the client needs, but I do a lot of singing, in, mostly in studios here in Nashville, but I've sung some live background vocals as well. So it's a pretty, keeps me entertained, I'll say that.
0: Lots of variety, Yeah, yeah, like. yeah, for sure. Is this something that you've always wanted to do?
1: So, Joey, when I was like eight years old, seven years old, I think it would have been, I was probably watching Little Mermaid, and my mom and dad, I remember them specifically saying that they would notice that I didn't necessarily want to dress like the princesses. I mean, I enjoyed getting their little outfits and whatnot, but I wanted to sound like the princesses. So Mm. I would close my eyes and I would listen to maybe what Jodie Benson was doing with like phonetically, like, or even just with her mouth. And I tried to imitate those things. So then my parents thought it would be this fun game to see like, who else can Katie imitate? So they would play me like, Karen Carpenter. And so that's one of the people that I impersonate to this day. I was about nine or 10 years old and they played me Karen Carpenter for the first time, which was so fun. And, you know, this eight year old being like, we've only just begun. I mean, my parents were like, what? Yeah. Uh, but I loved it. And then it just became this cool little niche that, that, that they allowed me to kind of explore. And honestly, I am so thankful for that because I have, I've truly since that time i didn't necessarily i couldn't put words to doing it for a living but i know that it was something that made my heart come alive
0: sure it made you happy
1: for sure for sure so as a kid i mean i remember going to disney world for the first time hearing you know the the fireworks show at the end of the night and going who's singing that you know and and all of those things and now it's fully realized when I'm doing it for a living. And I go, wow, this is, I'm living the dream that I've had since I was a kid. So it's pretty, I'd say, yeah, I've always wanted to do this.
0: Yeah. It's been there, been there for a while.
1: For sure.
0: What do you think it was as a kid that drew you to these singers or these voices?
1: So, okay, that's a really good question. And I actually will probably have to say that I am drawn to voices that aren't hard to listen to. mm so like, for instance, Jody Benson, Karen Carpenter, you have these incredible vocals that just always sang at the center of the pitch every time. And so I think that's what maybe drew me in. I, I, I've always been mesmerized by pitch and scales and keys and the colors of music. So when I hear a voice that seems effortless and they sing on key, in you know just on pitch all the time at the very center, it was pretty fascinating as a kid. So I I guess that was probably what in you know drew me into certain voices that I wanted to imitate, and then it just kind of went from there. But yeah, that's always been something that's been. My dad's a musician. Um, he has his masters in in conducting and and all of that. So so growing up in a musical home kind of helped that. You know kind of sure. Kind of cultivated that in me, I guess I should say.
0: Something that I remember hearing, I remember hearing your voice for the first time at DBU, Dallas Baptist University, mm-hmm. uh, where we both went to college. Sure and did. I remember hearing your voice for the first time and, and literally thinking that. And I'm not just saying that, but like literally thinking like her pitch isn't like impeccable. It was like, like you said, so on center. And it, it makes sense that you always looked up to that because that's where, that's what you grew into.
1: Well, thank you, man
0: how did you decide like, okay, this is something that I could see as a career, like what, as you're growing up and you know, you're singing for fun, it sounds like you're imitating these voices, but where do you see like, okay, this, this could be something for real?
1: I didn't get paid to sing until I was probably in like high school, college. I grew up in Texas, but then we moved to Louisiana for a little while and we lived in a small town. And I'm so thankful for my time there, but there was really no choir. I mean, everything I had, you know, the, everything that I grew up singing at that time, pretty formative time. I was about nine to 15, 16, something like that. It was a pretty formative time and, and all I really had to go on was church choir um mm. but but it wasn't until we moved back to Texas that i realized oh my gosh i started to get hired to sing at weddings and i thought okay people pay to hear me sing. Yeah, That's something that I I realized people did that. And then it was in college that I started to get into musical theater and got hired for my first session. So it, it really kind of came out of that. And then honestly, I would say my husband has been such a vital part of me kind of learning that side of, of oh my gosh, I really could do this for a living. Mm. Uh, when we were married, we had been married for maybe a year and he was like, you know, sweetie, I think you need to start doing YouTube videos. So- as a hobby, I started doing YouTube videos. I was a nanny, which we can get into that later because that's story of a musician's life, right? I was a nanny and I just was doing the work and working hard, trying to pay the bills. And then on the side, I was starting to do these YouTube videos. And I got hired, Some uh, of uh, an incredible maestro of one of the top symphonies in the US heard my song. On YouTube of me singing for the first time in forever from the movie Frozen, which I was imitating, I did kind of a half and half of doing Elsa and Anna, Mm. and he heard it and contacted me and said, you know, hey, now that now here I am, I'm completely green. You know, for those of you who aren't musicians I or just understand that phrase, I had never done anything other than one or two sessions in my life or some weddings. Like I had never done a professional contracted gig before. So here he contacts little young 24-year-old Katie and is like, hey, we want to hire you. We love what we heard. We love you imitating Anna. Will you come sing for the music of Frozen. For the first time in the world it was being played on stage with an orchestra mm. live. Wow. And so I was just ecstatic and that was my first professional contract. I never would have imagined it. And so I think it was that moment where they go, "Hey, we're going to we're going to fly you out for 8 weeks. We're going to put you up in a hotel. That's long stay. We we literally just treat you like you're the, you know, whatever. I I, I had no idea what to do with myself. Yes, I actually felt yeah. like I was a princess. I remember, Joey, seeing my name in all caps on the playbill.
0: Mm.
1: And I had never, you know, I mean, here I went from college to nanny to, you know, all caps on a playbill. And I was like, what the heck is sure. this? And one of my singing partner, the guy playing Hans... Is actually a guy named Ben Crawford. He's an incredible musician, and he's actually Phantom on Broadway now. Oh wow! And so he had this unbelievable resume. Here I was completely green, and he taught me so much. So I think that was a. a I wouldn't say I think I know that was a pivotal moment where I went. I sure. want to sing for a living. Like I can, and someone values what I have to offer. And I, I truly believe. And we can. We can. I could talk about this all day, but just that hard work crossing with the opportunity, I was like, this is this is what I want to do for a living. And so I've worked a lot of jobs, a lot of random jobs to be able to sing for a living. And it doesn't stop. I think I came back from that contract and still nannied for about a year and a half. So sure. I wasn't too cool for my britches, but I think that was the turning point for me. Yeah.
0: So when you said you saw your name in um, in all caps on the the playbill. Um, I was going to make the joke for the first time in forever, but for the first um,
1: time in for you know, the first time in ever,
0: <laughs> let's step back just a little bit. yeah, when you're um what do you what did you decide to go to uh, college for?
1: So I actually went to school for education, okay. I think there was a season of my life that I just maybe doubted a little bit as we all kind of do. And I thought, you know, i maybe, maybe that's that dream is too big. Mm. Um so I went to college for education and I am not knocking our educators. Listen, they are our heroes. Sure. However, I knew I wanted to sing. So I actually went to went to college to be a teacher. And knowing, I mean, dreaming and growing up going, I want to go to Baylor, I want to go to Belmont, I want to study music and then just that like moment, I can be kind of a, an anxious person and be a little afraid and so that moment right before college, I was like, okay, I'll just study, I'll just study education. Like I, I, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get my degree in education and then maybe play it safe. I'll get a real job.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I had a, a professor and she was just incredible. She was in the education department. She was absolutely wonderful. And she just called out in me some things. And then I met Dr. Holcomb. And Dr. Holcomb changed, truly changed the tra- trajectory of my life when, when saying, I think I was still an education major and I auditioned for an opera at, at in college at, at my freshman year. And he was like, I, I, I think you need to be singing. And I, and that was the moment where I was like, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I was just mm. trying to play it safe. Sure. And I am so glad that I did not play it safe because yeah. I love children and I've nannied off and on for seven years, but being a teacher, that is a calling mm. and as is doing anything, right? But going to school for education, it, it, I wouldn't change that for the world, That the way that all unfolded, but I did. I, I decided to go to DB for education. And then the minute I auditioned for that first opera, I was like, this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. And I truly, I mean, that was maybe six or seven weeks into my freshman year, I changed my major. Mm. Um, and okay. just took a risk, took a leap. And I'm so thankful I did. Because I think sure. i think there are a lot of people who sing and wanna do, I mean, it is, I, and you will say this, you and I took music business classes together. Music is a difficult degree to come out of college with. Absolutely. And, and not that we're not taken seriously, but it is... You have to fight extra hard when you have a music degree, when you get out into the real world. I'm so thankful that I have it, but I know a lot of people that either, you know, maybe studied something else and sing. One of my dearest friends is an accountant and he has a, he was on The Voice. He's incredible. Mm. But at the same time, Those of us who studied music, you know, you're going to have to work a heck of a lot harder because when you graduate from college and you have a music degree, those resumes are are not resumes. Those applications aren't just a flying in.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
1: So yeah, I'm I'm really grateful, but it's hard work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, like I wouldn't change it. Like you said, I wouldn't change anything I did in college. But yeah in hindsight if you felt like an intro course to the music business like the whole degree kind of felt like an intro course because i'm sure you can attest to this too it's like the things you learn in the real world out there whether it's touring at live shows you know spending time with people who have done it the things you learn in those moments you just can't learn from a classroom from a textbook right and you know there's granted there's so many skills that you know they do teach like you know Musicianship skills where you're doing ear training and, you know, like that, that class was invaluable. For sure. But I just think, you know, it, you definitely have to look at, like, like you said, it's not, it's not the easy way. Like, it's not a, it's not a safe thing, you know, to right. do it. Even a music degree, it's like that's, you're really taking a chance on yourself saying, like, I'm, I'm going to have to put in a lot of work after this, you know?
1: Yep. I, I actually say this to anyone who reaches out to me and I have, I have, so many people, and I'm so thankful because I reached out when I first moved here. I mean, Mm. I wanted to know and learn everything I could. When people reach out to me, I tell them this, I feel like moving to LA, Nashville, New York, Chicago, Atlanta, places where you know are a hub for filmmaking or music or any kind of plays in anything where you might want to do something in the arts. I say it's almost like, do you remember when they used to put our classes that we had to have for our degree at 8 a.m.? Like, like our music theory class was always at 8 a.m. It never failed. I would either get the 9, 8 a.m. block or the 9 a.m. block. It never failed. And that was the class you had to have for your degree. There was no other mm-hmm. option. And I feel like moving to these cities is the equivalent of them putting that class on Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8 a.m because what it does mm. is it calls out those of us who are willing to show up, do the homework, mm. be there at eight. If you don't show up to class, you can't pass. So I think I've said this to Donnie, I say this to people who reach out to me. Listen, it is so worth it and I'm so thankful I do what I do and that I live here. But even in in COVID, that's a that now that is a extreme example, but you think about the entertainment industry now when people relied on that for their, for their joy and their entertainment. And now all of a sudden you have the stars of Broadway driving for Uber Eats. Mm. So there is this, there is this constant, yes, it is a dream. It is a goal, but it's never secure. And I think that's the thing that you have to realize when you go into something like entertainment. It's not that it's not worth it, but it is a constant Fighting—it's a constant getting up earlier. It's constant. You have to be the first person there, and it's not even—I wouldn't even say—I don't even see it as a competitive thing. I am so thankful for my my people here and the community that I have. We don't compete against each other. We are each other's sure. back and and sweat and and do a lot of crying and a lot of tears to have a lot of tears together. But it is like you know you you have to work four times harder when you're in a situation where you are just straight entrepreneurial. Absolutely. You are using your voice, your whatever you offer talent wise, when it's your voice or something like that, you're gifting that you constantly have to hone. I said it to my mom the other day. I was like, mom, no matter how hard I try, someone could always move to Nashville who is better than me. Mm. And and I have to keep that in the back of my mind, knowing there are people gunning for my shot in the room when I am in these sessions. And so it, I don't ever get an out. I don't ever get to be like, I am here, I made it. My voice is ever changing and ever whatever. So it's it is, it is hard work, and it not nah, I it's so worth it. But it it feels eight a.m. class to me. It really does, man.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's a good analogy. I was talking to. Uh, mentor of mine and she was kind of giving me like talking about security job security per se and you know this idea of I think a lot of people have kind of a, a flipped misconception of Job security in the sense of like a nine to five or where you're working for a company, thinking that that's secure, and like you mentioned, COVID is like the extreme example, but it but it happened, and it's Mm -hmm. now very real to people that working for a big company may not be the actual secure option either. Yeah, you know nothing in life is promised, and so we just have to, you know, it's like I think when you really start to reframe that perspective, I think her example was like her. A roommate of hers was, you know, working for a big company and she was just out there selling like flowers to people and doing all these entrepreneurial things. And, you know, they, she made more money than her roommate did in, in a traditional job. And then one day her roommate gets let go and, and her roommates, you know, it's kind of scrambling and it's cause she's never known anything else. She's yeah. never known. Honestly, it's, there's not many jobs that are really truly secure and that's why you have to find your security elsewhere, you know, in yes. in something that's not a job.
1: One 100% because you're exactly right Donnie and I we I mean goodness gracious multiple times I've been asked what is success or what do you mm. feel what do you feel was the most successful <laughs>
0: spoiler that is the that's the big question on this podcast uh,
1: yes yes it's like that concept and understanding that our value doesn't come from how hard it, it, what we're the the accolades or any of that it's literally being one of the people i respect the very most lost their job has their masters is brilliantly smart and worked three jobs to make it through this season of life mm. and that to me is there there is security when you're willing to just work hard and, 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 and do what needs to be done.
0: So I want to dive into that a little bit more, yeah. but let's back up just a little bit in your um, journey, if you will. So you, you came from Dallas and then you moved, I believe that was when you got married. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Married Donald Jean Pestless. There he is. He's a good dude.
0: <laughs> and where did you move to?
1: So I moved from Dallas, Texas, the roaring metropolis to Oklahoma, Edmond, Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, Not even Oklahoma City. We were just north of Oklahoma Oklahoma City in a town called Edmond. Uh, My husband was on staff at an incredible church. I'm so thankful for my time. I just never thought I would move to Oklahoma. Sure. And so, but he had a steady job. He was established as, he was actually a middle school pastor at the time, and Uh, So I moved, here I was, fresh out of college with a music business degree, so just roaring and ready to go. And uh, like we joked about earlier, the applications don't flood in when you graduate with a music business degree, Mm -hmm. wanting to sing. I had a vocal, vocal performance emphasis. So yeah. So I moved to Oklahoma City when my husband and I got married and he was working. So I actually just jumped in. The first job I could get, um, I knew I was, uh, I love kids. I have loved kids since I was a kid. Um, I've always, I was so drawn to the movie Mary Poppins, which I said, it sounds so cliche and whatnot, but Julie Andrews is a true hero of mine. So I would say watching that movie, I always felt so, and Disney, the whole, the whole thing, it just made sense that I would become a nanny sure so when we moved to Oklahoma City I became a nanny and off and on I have been a nanny for 7 years but in the meantime there were just ebbs and flows of of my job so I mean when I got hired to go do that contract with the Indianapolis Symphony that's great but it was 8 weeks mm. so then where did I have to go I had to go back you know back to back to square one so I was like okay well I can't stay nannying because that's not fair to the family that I'm nannying for, for me to just up and leave for eight weeks. So I had to find something that was a little more flexible. So I started actually typing. This is so random, but I typed subtitles for HGTV, Food Network. Oh, cool. I got to see all the food shows before anyone else got to see the food shows. And I loved it.
0: So Um, like the captioning?
1: Yeah, I was, I typed, I literally um, typed closed captioning for the shows. And I mean, y'all, it, Listen, when you are in any kind of freelance or you're growing your business, I mean what I learned was you just and I and I'm adamant about this, you just do the next right thing. Mm. So when someone started mentioning, hey, I just started asking my friends who sang professionally, you know, did gigs here and there, what do you do for a living? They were like, well, I nanny here a little bit on the side, and then I type for this, you know, organization. And so I was like, oh my gosh, tell me more. So when I when I really started to go, okay, this the Indie Symphony thing happened. But then you come home, you have eight weeks of being on this incredible high, and then you come home and you're like, okay, well, there's, but the paychecks are done. So then what am I going to do? And that's when I started typing and kind of finding my way. So truly it's been piecing together what some would say is a full-time job. It's been the story of my life and of most musicians' lives as they build their business. I mean, that's that's the only way you can do this is you can't really do anything full-time because in this town, if you get a phone call and they say, hey, can you come be an alto on this session? You say yes, if you say no, mm. And I'm not I'm not saying I don't believe that you've just missed it. I don't believe that. But I do believe that you need to take the opportunities that are given when they're the right fit. So Absolutely. so here in this town, specifically in New York and in, in LA, you know, you you find a lot of people who work four or five jobs as, as they audition, as they because you have to be able to say, Okay, I'm gonna go yeah. I can't I can't work this shift, I gotta go and do this audition. So so that's that kind of started the me nannying kind of started the road, the path for me to kind of peel together my career. And, um, it's been that way ever since I just nannied. I finished with a family this last week or two weeks ago, actually in Nashville, I've been with them for three years straight. And I loved them. I mean, I they were they are family forever to me, but it was time for me to kind of do something a little more entrepreneurial as this all begins to build. And I mean, we've been here five years and it is constantly said Nashville is a seven to 10 year town. So I'm thankful it's even happening for us five years in.
0: It's important to highlight too, because like you said, that that is the journey. That is the lifestyle of a lot of musicians, creatives, just people who are, like you said, entrepreneurial. And I think it's important to highlight that if you don't enjoy that process of like having a, you know, a part-time this, a part-time that and working on all this all the time, like not to say you should rethink everything, but maybe check, you know, check yourself because that could be your life for many years. And if for sure, you know, and I personally have loved that kind of lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, because it affords me the ability to travel and to, like you said, to take opportunities when you get that call and go do that session, go do that project.
1: Yeah. You know, I was faced about... Four years ago, we were in Nashville and there was an opportunity where a record label was involved, not just for me, but it was with a group. And the conversation I remember having when it came down to me having to choose, am I going to do this group or am I going to do the, the thing where I sing you know, just do sessions and and try to do Disney or voice acting and this kind of thing. But here's where I had to ask myself the question. And I think this is a really important question for us to ask, especially if if your listeners, those of you listening are entrepreneurs or, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs, you have to ask yourself, here they were sitting, here we were sitting in a label, a record label office. We were talking to the president. It was a group of us. They were trying to form a group. And what they were explaining to us was what the process was going to be. It was basically, they were saying, look, you're going to probably be in vans. You're probably going to be changing drivers. You're probably going to be going from gig to gig to gig to gig. You're not going to be sleeping much. You're probably going to eat a lot of McDonald's. I mean, they just laid it out for us. And they were like, Here, here's the deal. Hmm. You are going to probably travel, not see your families. This is going to be the life. And we want to get you on radio, but this is what it's going to take to get there. And those are all things that are fine and wonderful and good for someone who wants to do those things. Sure. But for me, I remember stepping back and te- telling my husband, telling a few of my friends that are kind of in my like, you know, on my board of trustees, if you will. I remember processing this and saying, uh, the, the way I described it was the drudgery, like the, the, the drudgery of the job. What am I willing to just kind of like trudge my life and do the drudgery for? And and being in a group was not it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see myself. The whole time they were explain, explaining this to me, I was going, okay, but what if I get a gig where I get to go and sing in a Disney film? So the whole time I was going, but I don't want to drive through the night to be going from it singing in a band. I don't, I don't want to do that. What I want to do, what I want to pursue and, and sludge through is being a session singer, being a background vocalist, sending in a million auditions, going up to sing bell for somebody. That's what I'll eat McDonald's for and, and drive through the night for, but that, but in a group, and it's not that I don't want to be a team player, any kind of entrepreneur, you have to be a team player, but, but that was the moment of like, I don't know that I want to, I don't, I don't, but I don't want that. So it was this moment where I could have taken, it wasn't going to be the easy thing. Sometimes you're choosing between two really tough things, but I was going, but this doesn't seem, I don't want to do, I don't want to trudge through the 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 yeah. muck and the murk yeah. for this. I want to do that for this, for for voice acting, for what I feel like I'm supposed to do. So I had to make a call at the ninth hour and it was terrible. I hated having to make that decision, but I'm so thankful I did because I I love what I'm doing. I love working three jobs. My husband and I just talked about this today. You I mean, my goodness. I in the in the pandemic, I have more session singer friends who are driving for shipped than I could have ever imagined in my life or driving for Uber Eats mm. but that's what they want to do. Absolutely. You, yeah. you uh, uh, that they want to sing. They want to they want to wait this out until there's the next show maybe in 2021 and that's what they feel like they're supposed to do. The easy thing would be for me to just go get a 9 to 5 and and I'm not willing to do that because I want to do this thing. Absolutely. So it it's really just asking yourself, you know, what what matters to you and and what what are you willing to work Unbelievably hard for what are you willing to drive through the night for miss you know it, it not be home for events that are that you know it's it's all it all you have to gauge all of that
0: so it sounds like there's a lot of flexibility involved um with you know kind of the unknown that you can't expect mm-hmm. obviously 2020 has brought us a lot of unknowns <laughs> um, for everybody that's yeah that's pretty much goes without saying tell me about what it's done for you and what it's been like Navigating 2020. Where did you start, beginning of the year, and you know where are you now?
1: Yeah, you know, 2020 was what looked like at the beginning, and and I say this, understanding this is for so many of us. I say it with all the humility in my heart. So many of us had plans for 2020. My my particular plan was I was supposed to uh, release my record, which I did February 7th. I was so proud. We released uh, my Karen Carpenter record.
0: You mentioned Karen Carpenter was an inspiration to you early on in life. Yeah. So, you know, where did you decide, okay, this is going to be my first record?
1: Kind of how I mentioned earlier, my parents noticed that I was impersonating people and, and having and finding so much joy doing that. You know, here I am eight years old, nine years old, pulling these cassette tapes out of my Christmas stocking. And it was just one right after the other. It was Karen Carpenter. And I'd never heard of her before. And then I listened to her sing and I will never forget the first time she I think the first time I heard her sing was actually the Christmas portrait on cassette when she goes, just hear those sleigh bells jingling. I, like there's something about that record that is so nostalgic. Mm-hmm. There is not a Christmas in my memory without it. Her voice and her presence was so monumental to me. So as I got older and actually kind of started to find my niche, long story short, I got a phone call from a friend and I was kind of, kind of thinking about about three, two, three years ago after, you know, after I kind of said no to traveling going, man, I would love to do a Carpenter's record. This is the time I'm 30. She died. I think she was 32. So, so Mm. here we are at such a moment, a pivotal moment in my life that I get to kind of relate to, to her being her age, being in the music business. So I thought, it's time. I'm going to do it. And then i randomly got a phone call from a friend who literally says to me on the phone, have you ever thought about doing Karen Carpenter covers? And I was like, uh, okay. (laughs) So I literally chatted with my husband. That's a very specific thing. Yeah, called a friend of mine who was incredible in the music business, knows a lot about this stuff. She was a manager at the time. And I just told her, listen, Kendra, like here's the situation. Here's I've gotten this opportunity. Somebody asked me, they wanted to hire me to do Karen Carpenter on this cruise. And I was like, what should we do? And she was like, "Katie, you said you." I rem- she was kind of on my board of trustees. She was like, "I remember you saying you'd want to do a Karen Carpenter record. Then let's do it."
0: The the record sounds great, and it's it's like I love how how much of a blend between it's like a, it's a modern record, but it's nostalgic. For and sure, you, you get that feel both ways. Like yeah. you don't feel like it's outdated, but you're just like it's just sentimental, and it's like yeah. it's a very like it's a really nice refresh, you know.
1: But I appreciate that. That was the goal. We wanted it to sound modern honor pay homage to what she did and and the the path she carved in in music she and richard both but then give it this modern twist and so here we release my tribute album we're going to we and we're about to announce we had the, we were in the final stages of announcing a tour and i had done this podcast and and basically said you know listen we're going to announce it this day and be listening. and oh i just knew in my bones we were about to do this you know 10 12 date tour and I had a band and, and my little, you know, People Mover bus. I was so excited. It was my first tour. And I had just sung, Joey. I had literally just done five sold out shows for my Karen Carpenter tribute. So, I mean, the mm. reaction was, I was on this high of like, oh my gosh, we did yeah. it. Like my manager and I are just celebrating and we're thinking, oh my gosh, what, what about the future and where are we taking this? And So here we have this show built and we're so excited. And then COVID, right? Now, granted, I say that understanding there has been so much loss, so much loss greater than I can even imagine. Sure. But I will say it's important for us to just grieve what we need to grieve during the season. And I had to grieve the loss of absolutely an income for me, for my manager, when she gets a, a, a percentage, when, when my crew, I had to call and cancel my crew. And these people are, are expecting this and budgeting this into their livelihoods. They have families and kids and mouths to feed. So here I was having to call my crew crew and tell them, I'm so sorry, we're not going on tour. Mm -hmm. So that was, we announced, the the podcast aired. I did the Annie F. Downs podcast. It aired on March 17th. I'll never forget this because that was the day we were all put into mandatory quarantine. And that started the eight weeks of just going nowhere. So Mm -hmm. on March 18th, here I was, I got the phone call from my manager and I thought, well, what am I going to do? I have no tour and I have just launched my album. So the, then, and again, it's kind of a theme of my life. What's the next right thing, Katie? You know, like, what can you do? You don't have anything right now. I was furloughed from my nanny job. Mm. I mean, that as everyone was, I mean, we couldn't go anywhere. Sure. And I just was like, what's the next best thing? And so I I started doing these things called quarantines. And I, I jokingly called it that because I thought that's funny. And so I sang Close to You by Karen Carpenter because I thought, that's funny. You can't be close (laughs) to people. And, dude, it blew up on Instagram. I couldn't believe it. I literally, my roommate, Donnie and I's roommate, Michael Brooks and I, literally sat a little, like, kind of set up in our kitchen and with some recording equipment we had, and we recorded Close to You by Karen Carpenter. And people started sharing it, and it just went. And it, it was literally not in my thought process. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do a song a day. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a song mm. a day and I'm going to do a quarantine and I'm just going to bring joy to people. And what started as a joke kind of just a outlet, literally I saw my, I, I, I hate calling it a following. It makes me feel so yucky. My friends and my influence on Instagram like tripled.
0: Mm, wow.
1: And I I could not believe it. And and now granted, there were a lot of tears. There were a lot of night, nights where I was up till four AM editing videos. But I stuck with it. And I made forty five videos. And I I couldn't I, I, I couldn't give up. And friends of mine kept saying, you know, and they weren't naysayers by any means, but they were going, Katie, like you don't have to keep doing this. You can wrap this up like I was exhausted, but I was having so much fun. And they are like, you can wrap this. And I was like, no, I'm supposed to finish this all the way through. So 45 videos. With every video, I ended up collaborating with people. I worked with incredible artists, singers. It was so much fun. So all that to say, out of that was birthed just this new community of people who loved me doing impressions. I love doing a Celine Dion impersonation. I love doing a Karen Carpenter impersonation. I love impersonating, you know, Little Mermaid. Um, and so I just did the things that I'm good at from my home. And so I, out of quarantines was birthed this incredible idea that we thought, okay, Kate, Katie, and all the many people that I impersonate, how do, we enca- how, do we, how do we capture that in one show? Because it's resonated with so many people across the world. I literally did a Josh Gad song. I did a, a song from Frozen 2 and I, and I reached out to my followers. I said, hey, if you have a kid who loves uh, Olaf from Frozen, have them send mm-hmm. me a song of them singing with, uh, this will all make sense when I'm older from, you know, Frozen 2 with Olaf. yeah And I got probably 50 submissions from all over the world. And I couldn't believe it. I mean, there were kids from England, South Africa, Asia, Asian countries, everywhere. I I could not believe it. These parents were like, Katie, thank you so much for letting our kids be a part of this. Thank you for for bringing joy. And so uh, I just started to kind of in my mind go, okay, where are we going to go with this? Here, we lost our Karen Carpenter show. So I am so thankful that I get to say that we are doing a variety show, Katie and Friends. And the friends of mine that are going to be on the show are all of the people I impersonate and more. Awesome. So it is going to be our own modern variety show. My wonderful husband, Donnie, is going to be my host, who is hysterically funny Oh, and then out of nowhere, we get this reaction from the Ryan Seacrest Foundation, which I don't know if you know about them, but they basically – this the Ryan Seacrest Foundation, the goal was to get radio studios into children's hospitals all over the country to bring joy, to help these kids who are maybe stuck in hospitals – you know, during surgery, maybe they're there long term, and to just bring them joy. So here, the Ryan Seacrest Foundation reaches out and says, "Hey, we love what you're doing on Instagram. Will you come and kind of be an ambassador with us?" So I have gotten to visit three hospitals, and I cannot tell you of all of the things I've gotten to do. I will say, and I mean this with all the sincerity of my heart, when I finish, a, when I wrap up a, our conversation with those kids in those children's hospitals, I cannot explain a more a, a bigger highlight of my life. Mm. Those are the moments when I'm like I didn't get paid to do this and I don't care. Yeah. It's literally one of the highlights of my life because I see everything I love to do coming together with the needs of the world and and needs of others and that is beyond anything I can explain. So so just I will say out of quarantine has come unbelievable joy and growth. Um as well as grief. Sure. And, and and I've had to grieve the loss, but I just didn't want to stay there. And um, we've had family members who were diagnosed with COVID and, and, and there've been some unbelievable highs and lows throughout this whole process, but- I always wanna be the person that's running towards like the sunrise and not the sunset. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I wanna be looking for the positive and, and what I can do and not what I didn't do. Sure. So we just decided really quickly to be like, okay, we're gonna we're not gonna feel bad for ourselves. We'll grieve this as it comes, but in the meantime, I gotta do something. So
0: But forty five shows later.
1: Quarantunes, it was. Yes. So any of your listeners, my personal favorite, if you wanna go back and look there are too. One, I sang a Celine Dion song from my bathroom because it's the most (laughs) echoey room in my house. (laughs) And then my other personal favorite is a JT song that I did on a completely acapella. And it was, I use a CVS receipt as the rain. I did Cromier River.
0: So when is the show happening?
1: So my show is happening, Katie and Friends, the variety show. It's happening October 8th. And it is actually going to be streaming for seven days after that, which is very exciting. Awesome! But people can get their tickets. What's really, really sweet is a portion of every ticket sale is actually going to the Ryan Seacrest Foundation because they are going to stream my show in all 10 hospitals. That is wow. thousands and thousands of kids that are gonna yeah. get to see Joy and Disney songs and a little bit of everything. And I am so excited. I mean, we, we are doing this show up. We've got an incredible soundstage. We're doing it as if it's, you might as well be watching SNL. We are so excited. There's an incredible crew and it's going to be a beautiful show.
0: Awesome. Exciting. So exciting. If
1: you want to go buy a ticket, it's katiepestlis.com. K-A-T-I-E-P-E-S-L-I-S.com. And I'm so excited. I know y'all will enjoy it. It's for families everybody will enjoy this show. And it show. supports a great cause. It does. The Ryan Seacrest Foundation is incredible.
0: So it sounds like your 2020 was not like you expected, but <laughs> yeah. I think we can all say that. Yeah. Is there anything that you learned through this year that you, you're going to take forward with you? Is there anything you're going to do differently moving forward?
1: You know, Joey, that's a really good question. I, I would honestly say... I'm a pretty anxious person. I, I jokingly call myself a risk analyzer. I've always been that way. I've always kind of calculated risks. And as I move forward, you know, and even in the decisions we've made for this show, for the variety show and all of that, I would tell myself and will continue to tell myself that maybe the way I think it might go, that it, that it looks like it might go horribly wrong and that it could completely crumble, it might not go horribly wrong. Like something mm. actually incredible could come out of this. And I think that's just a really good word for life. You know, it really truly is. There are things that, cards we are dealt, but I will say those who are willing to do the work are going to make it out of this and to see the positive. I mean, when you've got very little food, but you've got your family, I mean, you're going to find the positive. And, and to me, it's just been realizing moving forward that like yeah, maybe what I think is gonna go horribly wrong might not go that bad, you know? Like it might be okay and turn out okay and maybe even better than I thought it would. And so I look back now and go, we could have done a show and somehow by the grace of God, here we were about to spend all this money on my show and had we spent that money, I can't even imagine where we would be. And here we were, it was stalled. Hmm. We were like, oh no, we're going to, you know, whatever. And, and here we are. And we're about to do an incredibly fun show that I couldn't have dreamt yeah. up otherwise.
0: Absolutely. That's great. I think it's really telling in someone's journey how they define the word success. So Katie, how do you define the word success?
1: As a singer in this town, in any actor, singer, anybody in entertainment, you know, I can't tell you how many auditions I've gone to. I have been to hundreds of auditions. I, I went to an audition one time, auditioning for the role of Belle. Okay, and this is imperative to tell you this because this just sums it all up. I go to an audition for Belle. I go up to Pearl Studios in New York City. It's an incredible, iconic studio. I mean, you've got Lion King rehearsing above us. You've got all of—I mean, everybody, newsies. I can hear them in the distance practicing. It is, it is your, your, your pivotal like moment as a, as maybe an audition on Broadway, you go to Pearl Studios. You're never going to go audition for Broadway and not go to Pearl Studios. So here we were, I'm at Pearl Studios for a cattle call for the role of Belle. I walk in and there are about 500 girls. I am 5'10". Okay. I'm a tall gal and I walk in and every single, all 500 girls are about a foot shorter than I am. And I was like, okay, well, Here we are. So I go into that audition room and they take one look at me. And the lady literally, I sing my heart out. She like looks me up and down, writes a bunch of notes. (laughs) Then I sing my song. I sing my heart out. I feel so confident, you know, just like whatever, Mm. have a great time. And she literally goes, thank you. And I was like, okay, cool, perfect. (laughs) Um, So I walked out of there and never looked back. I literally was like, okay, she did not, she looked me up and down and I was too tall, period. Like there didn't matter what I sounded like, I was too tall. And I think that is one of the biggest gifts going into your career, knowing how you define success. I'm so thankful my mentor really made me ask that question and help me earn the, the understanding of that question and what my answer would be. Because to me, Success is, and I kind of mentioned this before and kind of hinted to it when I was talking about the Ryan Seacrest Foundation. I truly believe that success is the intersection where your talent meets the needs of the world. Now, if you get paid for it, that's awesome. But most of the time, it, it is these little pockets. There's never going to be a moment I don't believe in my life where I'm gonna go, I've made it. I have had moments that I have called my husband weeping Because one in particular, I got a phone call from Disney. I was literally cleaning a house for a client. I was I was cleaning homes. I was a cleaning lady, and I will never never forget this. I was in their master bathroom on the bathroom floor scrubbing their floor. This was my Cinderella moment. Literally, yeah.
0: Uh And I got
1: my and I literally my phone rang and it was Disney, and they had hired me to do something, but. I get hired and that's wonderful. And I call my husband crying, but then I go straight back to cleaning houses. You hear what I'm saying? Mm. There's no Mm. moment where I'm like, I've made it. All of these pockets of things, it is truly, and I've said this to you before, Joey, just as friends, like I remember those moments when I go do a session, this happened to me not too long ago, I go do a session, I'm like riding the high of the session, I'm so excited, had so much fun with my friends, I think there were like 10 of us, we were doing some choral thing for a record, and I leave, and I'm in my car, and my phone rings, and I was like, oh, did I leave my my pencil or my bag or something. And it was the contractor who was in the room. He was one of the singers and contractors. And he literally says, hey, Katie, we've got a session tomorrow. Can you sing? I just got a session. Can you sing tomorrow? And there was this moment in my mind where I thought I did well enough in that session. I studied hard enough in college. I've practiced every day. I practice my sight singing, if not every day, at least every other day. And I'm 30 years old. I've been out of college for, you know, eight years plus, and I still practice my sightseeing every day, waiting for this moment when the contractor calls and says, you did well enough today that I want to have you tomorrow. Mm, yeah. And, and that to me is that success. It's when I've met my, I've done my very best. I know that I'm given in that 10,000 hours when no one's watching. And then I earn the next phone call um it is it is those pockets. Yes, there are moments that are going to be monumental. I'll never forget when I got the phone call that I got to be the voice of Ariel in Disneyland and over the parks. It, it a dream come true. But then you go back to work. You start from ground zero and you continue to work. And this is actors, singers, across the board, we're always trying to hone our craft. I know you are as a producer, songwriter, entrepreneur yourself. I know you, Joey, are always trying to better yourself and I think it's coming to the realization that what you've worked so hard for intersects with the needs of the world, and then you have fun doing it. You want to keep doing it. You want to get those little great jobs, not doing it for that, but, but you go in and you go, I did my best. Sure. I did my best. And even in that thank you, I remember this, thank you. I'll never forget it. She sounded like Roz from Monsters, Inc. I'll never forget it in my <laughs> life. But at the end of the day, I was really proud of myself. And I felt like sure. that was a success because I went and did something that was so scary. I flew to New York by myself and and sang my heart out. And that that was a success to me. It's raining here. So I'm sorry, guys, if my audio file <laughs> is going to sound a little bit rainy. Um But there's just suddenly a downpour in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, But I'll never forget, and I'm so thankful my mentor kind of caught me at the beginning. I was just singing background vocals. I was green, and she taught me that. And I will be grateful for the rest of my life because I think that's something we all need to kind of define because this business is, it's not easy at all. And you're going to be told by a lot of people, no, thank you. But I see it as... If I'm a pepperoni, okay? And the, there are a billion pizzas out there. I don't need to be a you know bell pepper. I don't need to be a black olive. I don't need to be a, a, a mushroom. I need to be the best pepperoni. I love pizza. So that's where this analogy comes from. <laughs> I need to be the best pepperoni I can be. Continue honing that craft. And someday there's gonna be a pepperoni that needs... I mean, there's gonna be a pizza that needs a pepperoni and then I'll get called up. and And that's where I also... And it's so important to me to not think of competitive, you know, to not be competitive necessarily with looking side to side with who your peers are. Sure, Nashville is a, is a city full of people who are far more talented than I am. And yet I stand next to them on those session stands, you know, and I'm looking at these altos that are incredible. I see them as my peers. I'm cheering them on. And that's, that's because they're, they're a mushroom. They're a black olive. They're a bell pepper. They are a, a fill in the blank. And they're not, they're not running in my lane. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And that's where I can find this joy of, of running my lane and being successful and kind of finding that, that, that niche, because I believe that I'm meant to do this. And when my time is right, I'll be called up. So yeah.
0: Thank you so much for being here. Um, Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. So Katie, where can everyone find you online?
1: My main presence is on Instagram. You can find me at at Katie Peslis, K-A-T-I-E-P-E-S, as in Sam, L-I-S, as in Sam, uh, or my website, katiepestless.com. And
0: don't forget the show, Katie and Friends, October 8th. Make sure to check katiepestless.com for the info on that. That's right. And that's going to do it for this episode of Crazy Enough.
1: Thanks, ma'am.
0: Thank you. Once again, thank you so much to Katie for being on this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Make sure to follow her on social media. She's at Katie Peslis on Instagram. And be sure to check out the Katie and Friends variety show coming soon. Details are going to be in the show notes and at katiepeslis.com. I'll keep today's outro short. Once again, thank you so much to everybody. I'm so glad we're here on this new schedule. Once again, episodes are going to be coming out about every three weeks now until the end of the year. Season one is going to wrap up with 10 episodes total in the collection just before the new year. So if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe so you get the latest episodes delivered to you as soon as they're ready. Follow me on Instagram at JoeyPore, J-O-E-Y-P-O-R-E. And the show is crazyenough.podcast on Instagram. Until next time.